0: Hello and welcome back to Sense and Spirituality. My name is Sheila McGregor and I'm really happy you have joined me today. Today is known as Holy Wednesday and marks the midpoint of Holy Week, the week during which we revisit Jesus' journey to the cross of Good Friday. As we make our own pilgrimages, and to carry our own crosses, one of the serious burdens we carry is the harm that we have inflicted on our Jewish siblings down through the centuries. And yes, you do need to know a little bit of history if you want to follow Jesus. But I will try to keep it brief. They were expelled from nearly every European society in which they lived. England, France, Hungary, Austria, Germany, Lithuania, Portugal, Bohemia, Moravia and Russia. Beginning with the first crusade in the 11th century, they were the victims of riots or pogroms which left thousands of them dead. They were blamed for the outbreak and spread of the Black Death, a plague that killed millions of Europeans in the Middle Ages. They were called devilish and pictured as pigs by the famous Protestant reformer Martin Luther, who said their homes, their synagogues, and their holy books should be burned, their leaders forbidden to teach, and the people themselves forced into hard labor. They were not allowed into some of our posher golf clubs or on public beaches here in southwestern Ontario until as recently as the last quarter of the 20th century. And they were horribly persecuted and vilified during the Holocaust of World War II when the Nazis, under Hitler's leadership, systematically imprisoned and murdered over 6 million of their people. Today, there are neo-Nazis who continue to call for their extermination. Who am I talking about? The Jews, of course. Tragically, after their horrendous treatment down through the centuries, we may come to the conclusion that this persecution is largely attributed to the way in which the Church and our scriptures have wrongly imputed to them the execution of Jesus. This is why it is important to understand the scriptures within their historical context. Misunderstanding and misjudgment can and has led to the character assassination of a whole race of people, as well as intense suffering. Much of the blame for this can be laid at the foot of the scriptural accounts of Jesus before Pilate that many Christians will read during this week we call Holy Week. And of course, it's all down to a failure to understand our history. If you would like to learn more about the events of the first Holy Week, as they are depicted in the scriptures long ago, or if you simply wish a good refresher, I invite you to listen to the Palm Sunday message preached by the Reverend Dr. Jeff Crittenden this past Sunday at Metropolitan United Church in London, Ontario. In this service, Dr. Crittenden offers a very compelling and passionate retelling of the final week of Jesus' life. The scene I focus on today is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 11 to 26, and is often one of the readings for Good Friday. It describes Jesus' trial before Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate asked Jesus to respond to the charges that had been brought against him, but Jesus says nothing. Some scholars believe that the events described in this scene never took place. Certainly, Matthew would not have been present, and it is extremely doubtful that there would have been a crowd of Jews there. Moreover, no Roman governor would have cared two pins for what Jesus thought or what the Jewish temple leaders thought. Pilate's sole purpose for being in Jerusalem during the time of the Passover festival was to make sure that this great Jewish freedom festival did not lead to outright revolt on the part of the people. He and his soldiers were in Jerusalem for one reason only, to remind the Jewish people of Roman might, to discourage would-be freedom fighters from taking up the sword and staging a riot against the Roman authorities. According to Matthew's account, Pilate bends to the will of the crowd. Crucify him, meaning Jesus, while washing his hands of innocent blood. I am innocent of this man's blood, he says. He is your responsibility. Then all the people shout, his blood be on us and on our children. In other words, in Matthew's account, the Jewish people accept responsibility for Jesus' death now and for all generations of Jews thereafter. In this gospel, then, Pilate seems to be a decent man, the kind of man you'd like to live next door to. But this is where the gospel gets it wrong. There is ample historical evidence to show that Pilate was anything but kind or decent. Both Jewish and Roman historians tell us that Pilate was a notoriously cruel and vicious leader. He was eventually replaced after murdering a group of Samaritan Jews. The Roman emperor realized that keeping Pilate in power would provoke continual rebellions. Thus, the Roman emperor had Pilate removed from his post and recalled him to Rome. He just narrowly escaped the death penalty for his cruelty. The gentle, kind-hearted Pilate of the New Testament, who really did not want to harm Jesus, is fictional. He would not have hesitated for one moment to put Jesus to death. And he didn't. So you ask, why would Matthew, who was himself a good and faithful Jew, blame the death of another good and faithful Jew, Jesus of Nazareth, on his own people, the Jewish people. Remember, all of Jesus' earliest followers were Jews, every last one of them. They were all Jewish. Some biblical scholars argue that Matthew made this story up. His fiction had a purpose. Not only was Christianity banned by Roman law, but it was also the Romans who had executed its leader. If Christianity were ever to gain any acceptance in the Roman Empire, therefore, it had to prove to Rome that its crucifixion of Jesus had been a terrible error and had only come about because the Jews forced Pilate to do it. In this view, it was necessary to depict Pilate as one who was sympathetic to Jesus, but who was finally forced to give in to the cries of the Jewish mob, which demanded Jesus' death. And the Jewish leaders? Wasn't Jesus always having run-ins with them? Yes, he was certainly vehemently critical of the religious leaders of his day. And some of the religious leaders in Jerusalem may well have been afraid that if Jesus was allowed to continue teaching, then some Jews might riot. And then Rome would be forced to come down hard upon all the Jewish people and crush them. You could say that the Jewish leaders were a lot like the Vichy government in France during World War II. They didn't like their Nazi overlords, but in order to stay alive and stay in power, they found themselves colluding with this foreign power. Just so the Jewish religious leaders colluded with the Roman governor, Pilate, because they believed that their life and the lives of their people depended on such collusion. And they had every right to be afraid. They had every right to be afraid for the future of Jerusalem and their beautiful temple. Rome had come down hard on them before, and at the time Matthew was writing his gospel, we know that this had happened again, and this time their magnificent temple was completely destroyed. But let's remember that it was only a small group, possibly a handful of Jewish leaders who found Jesus dangerous and handed him over to Pilate. They did not represent the views of All the Jewish people at the time, let alone Jews throughout all of history. Matthew may have been criticizing a very small group of Jewish leaders, but he was not anti-Jewish and he was not condemning all Jews. An easier way to think of this is to consider the political situation in the United States over the last few years. You have people who are vehemently opposed to Donald Trump and are incredibly relieved that Joe Biden won the bid for president. You also have a lot of people who are still staunch and loyal supporters of Trump and who think that the election was stolen from him. Does this mean that because they do not agree with the established leadership that they are anti-American While it is true that the behavior of some of Trump's followers has bordered on treason, especially their storming of the Capitol on January 6th, the majority, the vast majority, can be regarded as being just as patriotic to their country as the Biden supporters. Do you see what I'm saying? The same happens in Canada. Some Canadians, especially the Conservatives and Liberals, have been strong supporters of the pipeline. Others, especially the Green Party, have expressed strong opposition to it. Is the Green Party anti Canadian simply because it expresses a different vision for Canada? No, absolutely not. You and I criticize our political leaders all the time. That does not make us anti Canadian. It simply means that we have differing views on how our nation should be governed and what Canada's priorities should be. But we all love our nation. We are not anti-Canadian. Finally, let's remember that crucifixion, the horribly cruel death that Jesus died, was a Roman form of death penalty used specifically for political dissidents. The Jews were a subject people under Rome. They did not have the power to implement the death penalty. Only the Roman governor had this authority, and he would not have hesitated to use it, especially on Jesus, who was most definitely viewed as a rebel in the eyes of the Romans. The tragedy is that our New Testament Gospels have been read out of context, with the lethal result that Christians down through the ages have attacked and vilified Jews in the most horrible ways. Who was it who issued the warrant for Jesus' execution? It wasn't the Jews. It was the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. That said, we don't now persecute Italians or Romans because a Roman leader issued Jesus' death sentence. Likewise, we need to be very careful that we do not promote feelings of anti-Semitism based on the gospel witness. So by all means, friends, meditate on Jesus' steps to the cross and the sacrifice he made for the sake of love and justice and inclusivity and all of us. But read the scriptural witness in context. Because when you get it wrong, friends, when you get the history wrong, as we have seen happen far too often with Muslims and gays and trans persons as well, and people of color, then innocent people get hurt, and God's children suffer horribly. Instead, give thanks for the Jewish people who gave us the riches of the Old Testament, the beauty of the Psalms, the powerful witness to social justice in the teachings of the prophets, and who ultimately gave us Jesus of Nazareth, a faithful Jew who came to teach us about God's love for all people, no matter what their religion or race or gender or color or orientation, and who died so that all may have life and life in Abundance. May the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, and Rachel, and the God who meets us in Jesus the Christ, as well as in the many manifestations of Christ's love in this world, Grant you grace and peace during this holy week and always. That's it for today, friends. See you next Wednesday.